Just a 
everyone. Welcome to our 1030 service. It's a little bit chilly, but it looks like we have all bundled up inappropriate. Like Bill says, there's no such thing as bad weather. It's bad, uh, inappropriate clothing for the weather, something like that. So anyway, if you want to stand with us now, I want to welcome you to worship. Welcome everyone watching online this morning. We pray again that you would really encounter God in your home this morning. Is love for you, my son? Who 
River Church. Yes and amen. What a beautiful, chilly morning. For those of you at home, it is gorgeous out here, and we wish you were with us, but we're happy to have you join us this way. It is such a blessing to see everybody. Happy New Year. I'm saying that because I wasn't here the last week to say it. Um, But blessings. There's so many beautiful faces. If we can turn around, guys, and just little fake air hugs, elbows, whatever it is, just to say hello and realize that we are still in community even though we can't touch for now. Mike closer. There we go. All right. Well, I don't have a lot for us today, guys, other than it is a blessing to be here with you. Um, Very excited about this message in this series. If you got this book last week, I hope you have it with you. And if you forgot it, lost it, did something you don't want to tell us about, um, just go ahead and drop a dollar in the box and grab a new one. If you weren't here last week, like I wasn't, just go ahead and grab yourself a notebook. This is a wonderful idea, guys, and I won't bore you too much, but there is something the way our brains work. When you actually put pen to paper, your brain processes information differently. It integrates it in deeper levels. Different parts of your being become interactive with it more than typing it into your phone or just hearing it. To actually put pen to paper is a whole different facet of the way our brains work and how beautiful the design is. So I really encourage you, grab this. If you're not a journaler, try and lean into it a little bit and see what God shows you and reveals to you and how you might be blessed through it. Um, that's all I have for you guys. It's a blessing. As always, check out the website for your giving, for information, for all the stuff going on at the River Church that is here for you and the community. It is a blessing. And with that, I'll bring up Todd and let me pray for him as I bring him up. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful day, the refreshing rain comes down and washes us clean. Thank you, Lord, for all your blessings. Thank you for the way that you are here for us, even when it feels the darkest and the hardest. Pray your blessing on Todd as he comes up here and shares his heart and shares what you've given him. And Lord, that we would have ears to hear and that we would marinate and and think through and just really process what it is that you are going to share with us today. In your name, Heavenly Father, amen. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, worship team. Good morning. Glad you're back. It is a beautiful, beautiful morning with the sun out. What a great morning for us to begin what we are describing as if you were not with us last week, you'll definitely need to go back and listen to the message. The Art of Following Jesus. This is not a series, as I said. This is a focus. This is a focus of the River Church that we truly desire to become followers of Christ as we follow his model of discipleship. We're calling it the art of following Jesus, following the words and the ways of Jesus by the practices we do and the relationships that we form through apprenticeship. It's practice and apprenticeship. You can't do it alone, and we all need to practice. And the more we understand that and get that kind of in our brains, then the clearer it will be for us to understand that the objective of the Christian life is to become a full, fully devoted follower of Christ, a mature follower of Christ. That's the art of following Christ. It's a lifetime. And so for the next decade and beyond, we are going to focus on this idea of the art of following Jesus, his words and ways through various practices and apprenticeship. Joining with, becoming apprentices means you're joining with someone else saying, hey, let's do this together and let's focus on this practice. We've outlined 12 practices and these practices follow 
the, the, the values that we have as a church, love and joy, play and share. We all know those. To love God, enjoy people, play a part, and share the story. Those are the four values of the River Church, and we need to practice those, those values. And we're gonna practice them with three various disciplines. Under love, three under enjoy, three under play, and three under share. And this morning we begin with the very first one, to love God is first to learn the practice of prayer. That's where we begin this new challenge, this new exciting uh, adventure that we're on. And each week, I want to encourage you to do three things. This is important. To join an apprentice, choose a practice, and take a swim. And if you haven't been online yet to look at James's new introduction of the three challenges, the swim challenges, we're all at different levels, like, a, like swimmers. Because we're so close to the beach, we decided to use swimming as a metaphor to describe how we all get in and some just take a swim, some just take a dip. Others get out to that red buoy, that orange buoy that's not too far off the shore. And others of us want to go all the way to pier to pier. And so we're going to be challenging you each week to join, to choose, and to take based upon your level. And I want you to be able to answer three questions by the end of this series. I want you, I want, if someone were to ask you, what are, the, what are the four values of the church? I want you to be able to just say, love, enjoy, play, and share. Boom, you did it. You know the four values of the river. If someone were to ask you, what is the focus of our church? Your response would be, oh, that's the art of following Jesus, his words and his ways through our practices and apprenticeship. Whoa, that's where we're going as a church. That's what we're focusing on. I got it. And then someone would ask you a third question, which is, well, how do we implement that? Well, you, we're going to implement it three ways. You're going to join an apprentice, choose a practice, and take a swim. Three questions describe who we are and where we're going as a church. And I am so excited that we have put the time and energy into developing this series, which is going to become a lifestyle for our church. And this morning, we begin with prayer. Everybody prays. Even atheists pray at different times in their lives. Have you ever met someone who didn't want, in the middle of a crisis, you to pray for them? Most people would say gladly, thank you. I can take all the help I need, I can. I mean, add prayer to the list. Even if I don't even believe in prayer, if I don't even believe there is a God, I'll take the prayer. People pray. It's a world phenomenon. Everybody prays. And this morning I wanna talk about it and I wanna describe what I learned from Jesus about prayer and then I want to give a very special friend, a special person in this church, an opportunity to share her story about prayer and how it has impacted her life. And then I want to give you a chance to reflect and use your brown journals to maybe do some free-flowing writing to the Lord. Maybe write a prayer out. Maybe what God has impressed upon you this morning as we talk about prayer. You know, James 4 says that the righteous person the righteous person, their prayer accomplishes much. I want to be that kind of person, don't you? 
I want to see God do more than I can do in myself through my prayer life. And that's a challenge. And we're all at different places. So how do I get a better prayer life? I want to look at Jesus. And I want to look at John chapter 17. And in John chapter 17, this is a unique moment in the life of Jesus. As we know, the Lord's Supper, he has just had the Lord's Supper with his disciples. And he knows what's coming, coming next. They are planning to arrest him, to try him, to put him to death. All of that's going to happen in this, this next kind of few moments. We're going to see this unfold. Jesus knows it's coming. So these are the final moments of Jesus' life. The final opportunity that he has to connect with his Father. And it's, it's a rare moment to overhear a conversation in the Trinity. This is not Jesus praying for us or, or, pray, or talking to us. This is Jesus talking to his Father. And, and, and we get this rare opportunity to hear and experience how Jesus approached prayer. And we learn three things. It's conversational, it's focused, and it's transformational. The three things that I get out of Jesus' prayer, we're not going to dive deep into like every aspect of this prayer. We don't have time for that. I'm going to mention a few things, but we're going to see the big picture. We're going to read it, sections of it, and then we're going to jump back and see how conversational it is, how focused it is, and how transformational it is. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. So the first one is conversational. Look at this. As Jesus begins the prayer, Father, the hour has come. The hour has come. It's a conversation that Jesus is having with the Father about the future, about his future and about the future after Jesus' future. What's going to happen next? Glorify your son, Father, that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those who give to him. Now, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the eternal one, the one true God, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you have given me to do. Jesus is talking to the Father about the work that Jesus had accomplished that God had given him to do. And it's this, this rare moment to hear that conversation. And then in verse 6, it jumps to another subject. It says then, but I have revealed to you those whom you gave to me out of the world. I've chosen these 12 out. You've given them to me. And I want to talk to you about them. And so Jesus focuses now the next section of this prayer on these 12 disciples that Jesus was given to mentor, to apprentice, to develop in their faith. I gave them the words you gave to me and they accepted them. Later, he will say in verse 13, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy with them. I've given them my word, your word, and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, 
but that you protect them from the evil one, that they are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them, Father, by the truth. Your word is truth. I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself, that they too may truly be sanctified. So he talks personally about his relationship with his disciples. And then he focuses finally on the future. See, what I see is he focuses on the past, which is his work that he's accomplished in his life. That's kind of the past. Now, it's almost over, so I put it all in the past in the sense that his ministry and his sacrifice is the past. And God, I've given you that to bring glory to your name. The present is his disciples. Would you prepare them? Would you help them? Would you encourage them? Would you grow them? And then the future begins, my prayer is not for them alone, it says. I also pray for those who believe in me through their message. And then he will later go on to say, I even pray that we will all be one, righteous Father, that we would all be unified together one day where, and they would see my glory with you. One day we would all be together. So there's a past, there's a present in the future. And Jesus prays about all three in a conversational style. Now he starts with the word pater. In Greek, pater is father. But in a few hours from this prayer, in Luke 22 and in Mark chapter 4, he will use another word. He will use the word Abba. He will use the most intimate word for father. It was so intimate that in Judaism, it was too homely. It was inappropriate to describe our relationship with God. They would not use a word like that. It was inappropriate. And yet Jesus uses the word Abba to describe his dependence and his relationship, the deep relationship he had with God, that he could call out to God as Abba Father. It shows the, the relational aspect of his prayer with his father. So I wanted to first point that out to you, to show you. Let me grab my other piece of paper here. One of the difficulties of preaching outside is the wind. And I always forget that. And so the conversation that he's having shows us what's most important is it's very free-flowing. It's, it's, it's like two people that know each other deeply. It's not a formula, but it's talking from the heart about what's on the heart. And I want to point out two ideas about conversational prayer that has helped me understand how Jesus related to the Father. First is understanding that conversational prayer is about the language of God. And second of all, it's about experiencing God. What do I mean by the language of God? Eugene Peterson does the best work on this. And what he basically says is that in order to have a conversation with someone, you have to first understand speech. Like a small child, an infant, who then begins growing and developing, as they hang out with their parents and siblings and friends, they learn language by observation. They hear the speech, and the words that are spoken to them become their words. 
and they, they, they grab onto those. And if you've ever noticed that with a, with a small child, whatever you say, they say, they mimic. And you help encourage that and you help grow that vocabulary and that language with them. That's the conversation of God. It begins with this language. Without the word of God, we cannot have a conversation with God. The word of God is the speech of God that helps us understand how we have a conversation with him. And without the word of God, our conversation is limited. So conversation is, is far more than simply a free-flowing conversation of whatever is on your mind. It's what's on God's mind. See, the word of God begins to develop a discipline in our mind of learning his language and learning his truth and learning what he values. And then what happens is we begin to pray that language. We begin to pray in that language. Without the word, Eugene Peter says, we run the danger of praying to some other God who speaks what we like hearing to the part of God that we want to manage. So what we do is we often have a conversation in management rather than actual language. We're trying to manage God and manage him to do something for us as opposed to understand what God, and Jesus knew this, and all the subjects that Jesus touched with God were things that were on God's heart. They're in line. That is mature development of prayer. The second thing I notice is that he experienced God. It wasn't simply you learn the words. The mystics really help us. And a lot of people are afraid of the mystics because they think, well, mysticism is not godly. True mysticism is experience. And when we understand that mysticism is rooted in our experience of God, what happens is theology becomes experience. The theology of the truth becomes the experience that we now have, and we begin to pray that because we know God is this way. We know what God is like. We know who he is. And in the midst of his words coming down and initiating with us, this is really important in prayer. By the way, God always initiates prayer. Do you know how he does that? Through his word. God initiates prayer with you every day by his word. And as you read the word, it's like when Moses went to Mount Sinai, right? What did he do? He went up to the mountain, he waited, and he waited, and waited, and then what happened? God initiated the conversation. He came down, and what did he give him? His word. And the conversation began. Moses met God by him initiating, and God will initiate with you so that you would then have this experience. And as we know, like Moses, he had this profound experience in the cloud of darkness with God himself. That's the objective of the conversation. Ah, so much material. Second thing I notice in this, looking at the big picture, is it's focused. It's very focused. Jesus knew what he was praying for. He, he prayed for himself that his life would be something that would glorify God. All the way through his life, he said, Lord, may my life bring glory to you. And even in the end, that Jesus, 
my disciples would know your glory and the glory that I share with you. He prayed specifically for his disciples that they would be kept from falling, from temptation. They would stay in the world, but yet stay focused on their mission, be sanctified by the truth, find joy, experience love. I mean, he was right on track. I mean, he was, he was, he was focused. And then the future, that there would be many, many, many more. And you, you, you know the rest of the story. We know what happened through this band of small disciples and how when Pentecost hit, the fire of the Holy Spirit inflamed these believers and the message went out all across the world. We know what happened. It's because Jesus was focused in his prayer life. Mark Batterson shares this in The Circle Maker. If you haven't read The Circle Maker, you, know, you gotta read the book. And in it, he asks the question, what are you circling? He goes back to Jericho in Joshua chapter six. The Israelites, got, they were coming into Israel. They're coming in the promised land. It was, it was fortified, it was filled with enemies. And God says, I will take care of the enemies. You do what I tell you to do. And what did he ask him to do? Circle Jericho. You just go around it six, one time a day for six days. And then on the seventh day, go around it seven times. And guess what I'll do? I'll knock the city down. In Joshua chapter 6, verse 1, it says that it was fortified so Israel couldn't get in. So it was only something God could do. And then the very next verse, before they even walked around and began their focused prayer, guess what God says in Joshua chapter 6, verse 2. I have delivered Jericho to you. Before it even happened, before the battle even starts, I'm telling you, I've done it. Prayer is about believing by faith that God is going to do what you're praying about. You got to have a big prayer. And he says, you got to circle your Jerichos. What's your Jericho? What are the big dreams in your life? What are you dreaming right now? I mean, I'm talking about dreams that you never thought that God could do. Fortified cities that you can't get in. What is God going to do? Those are big dreams. Most of us don't get what we want because we don't know what we want. Prayer is about knowing what you want and then going after it with God and circling it and staying on it. What dream does your life revolve around right now? You gotta define the promises of God that you stake claim to and start circling them until God gives you what you want and what he wills. It could be healing. It could be salvation for somebody. It could be reconciliation. It could be transformation. Uh, here's one. I'll just, I've got a, a prayer journal. And I write my prayers. And now I'm writing bigger and bigger dream prayers. Like big dream prayers. Huge. Impossible ones. They're all in here. I'll share one with you. It came out of Malachi chapter 4, verse 6, the very last verse of the Old Testament. The very last verse of the Old Testament says that the parents' hearts would turn toward their children and their children's heart would turn toward their parents. It's the next generation. I'm praying for the next generation. I'm praying for my next generation, our family's next generation, our children and our children's children. And I know that the only way that's gonna happen is if I pray that their hearts would be turned towards us and towards their parents 
and their parents' hearts would be towards, turned towards them. In other words, it's the way we parent. The next generation will determine the course of the next generation. See, we think it's all about issues. We think that, that uh, something else will solve our problems in the world. The solution to the future in the kingdom of God are parents that are raising up godly children. They're praying for them, modeling. How do you do that? You don't do it by nagging. You don't do it by arguing. You don't sit there and have a fight with your kids and try to convince them of your position. That's, don't, that's not how you win a heart. You ever heard that Dr. Mar, uh, uh, Walter uh, or Dr. Hendricks used to say, tell the story about trying to tell a child to be obedient, sit down, sit down. And the kid won't sit down. Finally pushes him down. And the kid's sitting down, but he says to himself, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. And a lot of kids are that way right now. And how do we win the next generation? By modeling, by encouraging, by loving, by living a life of caring, of character, by valuing the moral laws of God above issues. And kids go, you don't understand me today. You don't understand the issues today. Well, teach me. Help me. I want to learn. We need to listen and win our kids over to change the next generation. It's just one of my big prayers. How many prayers do you have? I could go on. Read Acts. Look at what God does. God does the impossible through the book of Acts. Finally, it's transformational. And what I find here in this text is that Jesus is not simply praying vague prayers. He's praying for something that will transform the world. First, it's an honest prayer in his own life. Garden of Gethsemane is coming. He's going to struggle honestly with this idea that I've come to bring you glory. He's got to bring that before the Father in just a few hours. And he's going to have to wrestle with it. But it's honest prayer. And he wants to change to change to the point where he says, not my will, but your will be done. We know that. But also, he prays for transformational things. He prays that God would get the glory. He prays that his prayer, prayer for his disciples, that they would be changed, that they would be filled with joy, that they'd be transformed by the truth. I wrote down 14 promises in John chapter 17 that Jesus prayed for that were transformational. 14 things. Go look in John 17, read it, and see if you can find 14 things that Jesus prayed for, for his disciples and for himself and for the future. See, one of the most radical concepts that I have gotten a hold of in my prayer life in the last few years is that you are, you are becoming what you're praying about. Let me ask you, what are you praying about? I'll tell you what you're becoming. It's tied. There is a relationship between who are you becoming as a person and what God you are bringing before the Lord. You know, neuroimaging tells us that as we get older, we move from right brain to left brain and we stop imagining. The older we get, we start living out of memory rather than out of imagination. We lose our sense of dreaming and risk and imagination. And all throughout the Bible, what I notice in prayer is that when people prayed, they stepped out in faith. There was a connection between their words and their action. Look at when, when the people went in, before they went to Jericho, they had to cross the Jordan River. And 
And God told them to put their feet in the water. I'm not going to open the waters up until you put your feet in it. Where are you, where are you risking putting your feet in as you're praying for God to do something? That's transformational prayer. The primary purpose of prayer is not to change our circumstances, but to change us. That's what God wants to do. He wants to change our perspective. Mark Batterson says, I heard him say this at a conference in, in London several years ago, and it stuck with me. Change of pace, but plus change of place equals change of perspective. You got to change things up. You got to find a place to pray. You got to slow down and you're going to get a whole new perspective. God will begin to do something radical. This morning, we have a very unique opportunity to hear a powerful, powerful testimony in prayer. And I just want to say, as Vicki Leach Gomez comes up, It's a powerful message. Just listen as she shares how prayer has impacted her life through this season of her life. And be open. And then we're going to have a chance to respond and spend some time in prayer, spend some time reflecting. Be open to what God has to do. So I'm going to give you a microphone and I'm going to get out of your way, Vicki. And then when you're done, we've got a team that's going to come up. Thank you. So thank you, Vicki. Thanks for sharing your heart and your passion. I know you're excited about prayer. And I, I just want us to be open and willing to receive and listen as you share your experience with God. So thank you. So welcome. Thank you, Todd. Good morning, everybody. Can you all hear me? Um, thank you. And I'm super excited to share an experience that I just had a couple of days ago. And for me, it was completely transformational and life-changing, probably the most powerful day of my life. Um, so my name is Vicki, and before I start, I just want to uh, kind of set the tone with some scripture um, about what I'm going to talk about. Oh, shoot, I just lost it. Hold on one sec. Um, the first one is Mark 5, 34, when Jesus said to her, daughter or son, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And then in Hebrews 11.1, 1, which Todd just referenced, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So what happened was, um, I think a lot of you probably know, but I was diagnosed with ovarian cancer a couple months ago. Um, and uh, so my son, who's a doctor, for Christmas gave me a Christmas present to see a man named Dr. Nimi in Cleveland. And he's 67 years old, he's an MD, he's an anesthesiologist and a surgeon. And he also has, um, he's an expert in quantum physics and he has the spiritual gift that God has given him of the um, spiritual gift of healing through the power of the Holy Spirit. So uh, we got to go see him last week in Cleveland, Ohio. And it was, uh, uh, it was incredible. He's done thousands of miracles, again, through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's healed the blind. He has uh, allowed the crippled to walk. He has healed uh, 
people that have been in a coma, they're ready to pull the plug, comes in, healed them. And I, I know it sounds unfathomable or a little far-fetched, but uh, it's all documented. What happened was the night before we drove up from Lexington to um, Cleveland, we had a prayer service with some of the doctors who my son works for. And their daughter was born with spina bifida. And they had just seen Dr. Nimi a couple days before. She was born uh, wearing a brace. They see Dr. Nimi come home, and she takes off her brace and starts walking and running. Um, so I, you know, because it's new to me, I was a little skeptical. But we entered his office. It was very unassuming. He's a very quiet, soft-spoken man. He used to work at Harvard and MIT. He's done work with NASA and Microsoft, but he's not about any of that. He's just very, uh, wants to use his gifts and heal as many people in his lifetime as he can. He's originally from Syria. Um, and uh, he said, the only thing that you need to come in with is love and surrender and intention and faith. Um, and so the first, it's a two-part session, and the first day I saw him, he, uh, I mean, I, I could feel the Holy Spirit entering me, and um, I, I know I'm healed. I feel like I don't live in fear anymore. I, I have the confidence that he healed me. So um, he radiate. I mean, he said a prayer over us. My husband and my son and I were all there. And uh, he's very clear. I said, thank you so much, doctor. No, no, do not thank me. All the praise and the glory and the honor go to Jesus. I'm just a conduit. I'm here on earth, but all my gifts are from the Lord Jesus, from the Holy Spirit. So I could feel the Holy Spirit entering me. And then the next day was my second my second session. So I walk in, and uh, he does combine medicine and science with his gifts of spirituality and healing. So it, it's sort of a two-part thing for him. So the next day I walk in, and I laid, I, I'm on his uh, exam t chair, and he goes, and I didn't tell him anything. He said, you have, uh, your veins are blown up from your chemotherapy. Yes, it has been blown up. You have neuropathy uh, after you have a chemo treatment. You can't sleep at night. Yes, that's true. And then he said, you, this is personal, but he said, you go to the bathroom a lot at night, five times, yeah. And then, uh, and then he said, you had an a, a injury in your spine and your neck. Yeah, I fell out of a tree when I was younger. And he he healed me. My bump is gone. I only go to the bathroom once at night. I can sleep at night. I have no more neuropathy. My veins are not blown up. It, it's, it's a miracle, but I know it's from the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, like I said, I said, thank you so much, doctor. No, it's all, it's Jesus. It's, it's Jesus. So um, I just wanted to... Uh, share one scripture that Todd was talking about was John 17, uh, verse 26, when Jesus is talking to his dad, to, to our father, and he says, uh, Dad, uh, Father, I have made you known to them, to us, and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself might be in them. So God desires to heal us and to be with us, and the power of prayer 
in our church. Uh, I was at the beach service this morning, and uh, what happened was Denise does a Bible study for women, a discipleship every Tuesday morning, and then we break into our little tables, and our table is called the turquoise table, and most of us were at the beach this morning, but a couple of you are here. I know Jody's out there. Is anyone else here from the turquoise table? And I know Jane is a huge prayer warrior because she went through the same thing and is still going through the same thing as I. But um, we had a Tuesday morning Bible study, and I'm driving up to Cleveland, and it's ready to snow. Um, and my appointment was at 7 at night, and I'm doing this Zoom call with our turquoise table, and we're all praying for each other and suffering and grief and joy and pain, and they were saying a prayer for me. And then Dr. Nimi called, and he said, can you come in at 3.30 instead of 7? Sure, I'll be there at 3.30. And then um, what happened was the turquoise table and some other women in our church, Debbie and many others, um, they wanted to do a prayer vigil right at 3.30. So at 3.30 and 3.30, and quantum physics uh, transcends time and space, I mean, we are, we are all covered in prayer, and we're all here for each other. So just to bring it home, uh, the power of prayer is just, uh, it's a gift from the Holy Spirit. And um, what happened with Dr. Nimi was I said, I, I know I'm healed. I know I'm healed, but should I still go through the rest of my treatments and radiation? He said, absolutely. You sh it's a journey and a process, and God is with you the whole way. It's not about, this talk is not about Dr. Nimi. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit. So, of course, I'll still go through the treatments, but I do have a piece about me. Um, and I hope that you guys feel that too. And uh, I just want to encourage you, if you want any more information from me, uh, to reach out to me anytime. And uh, I thank you for listening. Let's just stand in unity for Vicki this morning and pray together. And is Jane here too? Jane's in the back? Okay. Let's pray for Jane and Vicki as they um, believe God in prayer and faith with their cancer. God, thank you so much for the faith that you are increasing in Jane and in Vicki. God, we thank you for this opportunity that Vicki had to trust you, to believe you, and to trust you for her healing. And God, we stand in prayer alongside Jane and Vicki that their bodies, that anything that rises up against the health of their bodies would be cast out, God, and that you would be victorious over their health. They would have a clean slate from head all the way to their toes, God. And we thank you for their faith. We thank you for the opportunity to be around them, God, and watch them converse with you and be transformed by you, like Todd said, in their prayer life and in their faith and in their belief in your truth. We just pray together, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Vicki. Okay, you can have a seat. Hi, James. Come up here, you rascal. So James and I together, as you know, we did it last week. 
We want to give you this time, and Luke was so good. Um, if you haven't met Luke, our junior high pastor, he's like, let's give it to him in the service. Let's give him the reflection time, and let's give him the, the, the uh, opportunity to apply this to their life. And so we're excited. Every week we get to do this together. Right? Jeez, yeah. just to be within six feet of you. Oh, gosh. I'll it stay here. Really, no. Okay, good. a correction <laughs> about social distancing. So, yes, Denise, go. Well, you want to tell them. So the first thing we're going to do every week is we're going to give you the opportunity to take a step. And if you heard Vicki, obviously she took a huge peer-to-peer swim last week as she prayed for healing for her body. But, let, James, why don't you tell them about the different steps? And, awesome. Yeah. So we, uh, a groundbreaking new video just came out of me explaining what – what our steps are. I misspelled buoy in it, by the way. I realized too late, but it all fit the genre of the video. So we have three opportunities. I'm getting some feedback. Let me step over here. There we go. Um, we have three opportunities each week, and they're just levels of swims. We're using a swim metaphor because we're kind of a beach church. It's how we roll. And we have three, three levels. First one we call the quick dip. That's for those of you that eat. your life is compact. You got 40,000 kids, you don't have a ton of time, and you're like, I need to just experience this week, our focus is prayer, experience some prayer, just in a tight, compact setting. Some of you have a little more time, we're calling that one the buoy swim. You have, you have some time to get out past the break, get around that buoy, and come on back. This might be a little longer, a little more intensive, spiritual discipline, or opening yourself up to the practices that expose us to God's grace. Some of you, it's like peer-to-peer, like Todd said. You've got time and commitment. You're able to do it. These are not holier-than-thou, like I'm better than you because I did the peer-to-peer. It's just you have more time. So this week's prayer opportunity, the prayer focus that we've been looking at. So for everyone, whichever level you're at, we just want to encourage you all, go to our website, riversouthbay.org, something like that. Just Google it. And then on the front page, you'll see The Art of Following Jesus. There's a link to a bunch of our podcasts. Our staff has put together some podcasts. There's one on conversations with the Father. That's prayer. Click that. Watch that. It's like eight minutes. And that might be your quick dip for some of you. Like you're just, that's all you can do. And then we just say, pray the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6. Just pray the Lord's Prayer. That's the quick dip. For some of you, it's like, I can do the buoy swim. I have a little more time. So go to the podcast. Uh, listen to the podcast. And then for you, maybe it's praying the Lord's Prayer in sort of steps. Denise, do you have any thoughts on that? Praying the Lord's Prayer in steps? Kind of how do you pray through it? Well, we talk about it a little on the podcast, but I think um, for me, as I grow in my prayer life, it's spending more time actually chewing on Scripture, you know, interacting with it, letting the Scripture absorb into my heart and mind, not reading through so quickly, but letting God speak through it, like Todd said, where he speaks truth so that we can pray truth. So that's kind of probably how I do it. Denise, I love it. That's beautiful. Um, So finally, the peer-to-peer, that's for those of you that really want to go for it. And what what we encourage you to do, same thing. Listen to the podcast, go through the Lord's Prayer in stages. But how about this one? You really pray, pray, take a step of faith, and maybe pray over somebody this week so you could do it through facetime it's an amazing technological innovation you could facetime with them go on a walk nice safe walk on the beach with somebody just say can i can i pray for you through these pieces and see what they need prayer for and and so 
Um, that's the peer-to-peer. -peer. In all of these, we want to encourage everyone um, to be processing with somebody. So that that might not, that might mean you listen to the podcast and you just kind of uh, spend some time, half an hour, going, "Hey, how was your experience this week with prayer?" And you just talk about it. Um, so that's our sort of challenge this week. And, and Denise, do you want to transition them into a time of reflection now? Sure. Thanks, thanks, James. You do. So. Our intention isn't for you to come to church and go home feeling like you have, you have more to do. That's not our intention. Our intention is that we begin to practice the things of God, the things of Jesus, so we become more like Jesus. So we learn the, way, the words of Jesus, we practice the words of Jesus, and then we walk in the ways of Jesus. So I just want to give you some time right now. You can open your brown books, and um, Godwin's just going to play some music in the background. The worship team's going to come up. But just think about it. Just take a moment, a quiet moment. Maybe we're going to have all these wonderful things online, but maybe Todd said something, or Vicki, or Amanda, and Tess in the worship that you feel like he's nudging you about. Maybe that's your baby step, your, your quick dip that he wants you to act on. Maybe you heard something that was kind of like a bigger step for you and you're going to do the buoy swim. And maybe you heard something so bold and God kind of nudged you and you're like, I'm down, I am going for it. And you want to do the peer-to-peer. -peer. So just think about it and um, take some time to write down what God impressed upon you this week in your journal.
that is our prayer this morning that amidst all circumstances and every high and in every low you are great you are good you are bigger you are stronger so let us hold that truth as we walk through this week even as Todd encouraged us to dream these impossible dreams Lord we ask that you would teach us how to do that this week and that the underlying note of our life this week would be the goodness of God we thank you for who you are in our lives in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for worshiping with us, you guys. Let's give this Sunday a clap, a round of applause. What a beautiful Sunday it was, part two in practicing apprenticeship of Jesus. So we'll see you this week. Thanks online, audience, for being with us. We love you. We'll see you soon. Have a great Sunday.